Hey, good morning. It's Patricia Murphy. It's Tuesday. This is Seattle Now. 2024 has officially entered the building and a new Seattle City Council is on deck. The five, soon to be six, brand new council members have a lot on their plate this year, not to mention all those promises they made on the campaign trail. Public Cola editor Erica Barnett is here to give us our first briefing on the newest council. But first, let's get you caught up. Investigators will likely be out today looking into what started a huge blaze in a vacant building on First Hill Monday. More than 100 firefighters were battling the three-alarm fire. The department says several people were able to flee. Seattle Times reports all four floors of the building were burned as the fire spread to an adjacent building. Twelve people and their pets were displaced. The American Red Cross has been called in to assist. It's a new year. Let's review some of the new city and state laws that are taking effect. City Council voted to crack down on street racing last year. Now people caught driving fast and furious can have their car impounded for 72 hours on the first offense and forfeited on the second one. There's also a statewide 10 business day waiting period on the purchase of all firearms on top of the already existing background check. And Seattle got a new higher minimum wage just short of $20 an hour for large employers and $17.25 an hour for small ones. The Office of Labor Standards says it's one of the highest in the country. And the UW Husky football team's undefeated season continues all the way to the college football championship. The Huskies beat the University of Texas in dramatic fashion, 37-31 in the Sugar Bowl semifinal game. Quarterback Michael Penix Jr. threw 430 passing yards in the game. That's the third most in Sugar Bowl history. UW will play the University of Michigan in the championship game in Houston on Monday at 4.30. It's a new year, new me situation for the Seattle City Council. Five newcomers with an appointee on the way. That is a lot of inexperience. But these Seattle City Council rookies are working within a relatively united political front. Five of the nine council members were endorsed by Mayor Bruce Harrell in this election cycle and are expected to align with him on a lot of city business. Publicola editor and publisher Erica Barnett is here to talk about what this iteration of the city council is going to look like and what they'll be taking on in the new year. Erica, Happy New Year. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. So from your observations, what's it like right now to be a new city council member? Are they at council member boot camp learning Robert's rules of order? (laughs) They should really have a council member boot camp. I don't believe that they do. Um, You know, it's kind of an ad hoc system, as I understand it. People come in, they're on the second floor meeting all the current city council members, asking questions and, you know, accepting or uh, declining offers of help. You know, and I think the the preparatory work kind of runs the gamut. I remember ages ago when Tim Burgess was first joining the council, like he was there in council chambers every single day. It runs the gamut from that to, you know, folks who I think believe that they, you know, can learn on the job and, and sort of know what they're doing. So, but, you know, as, as you said, I mean, this is an incredibly inexperienced city council that we're going to have. And after uh, Teresa Mosqueda leaves and there's a sixth new council member, I don't think I've ever seen a council with this many new members on it at one time. Yeah, and there is a lot to get your head around in this city, and we'll talk a little bit more about that in a minute. The first order of business for this new council is going to be filling Teresa Mosqueda's seat as she heads for the county council. 
What does this process actually look like and who could we potentially see in that seat, Erica? Yeah, it's an incredibly quick process, which I always have to remind myself because this happens every few years, they appoint somebody. It's a 20-day process from the time when Teresa Mosqueda resigns, which is going to be at the beginning of January, to the appointment. And then if they don't appoint somebody, they have to keep meeting every single weekday until they do. So very quick process. You know, I mean, we're hearing some names. Brianna Thomas, former aide to Lorena Gonzalez, who now works um, in the mayor's office, There's been some talk about Tanya Wu, who was an unsuccessful candidate for District 2. So, you know, there's going to be a lot of people jockeying for that position. And uh, just my two cents, I mean, I think it would be valuable probably to find somebody who has some sort of experience working in the council, you know, or with the council, because, again, we have these newcomers that do not necessarily have a lot of direct experience. So it remains to be seen, but it's going to be a very rapid process. And so we'll know uh, before the end of January. You know, what's it like to be that inexperienced on a city council? What kind of challenges will these six new members face? I mean, I think it's everything from just literally sort of knowing how to run meetings, uh, go through the script, abide by Robert's rules of order, which are very confusing, uh, frankly, even to me. I mean, I think that they're going to also have to, you know, reconcile the difference between um, the things that they ran on, which were primarily homelessness and public safety, and what the actual work of the council is, because there is a lot more work that goes on that is not those, you know, two very high profile issues that is not, you know, fentanyl. I don't know exactly how many, but a large number of them have said they want to be on the public safety committee or head the public safety committee. Well, that's impossible. I mean, there's only five members on that committee. So, you know, somebody is going to have to do all the other work that the council does, like the budget, like transportation issues, like overseeing the Seattle Public Utilities and City Light Committees. There's there's just a lot of work that happens on the council that I think doesn't get acknowledged or maybe even very well understood during campaigns that is going to have to continue to happen. And some folks are going to have to take some of those less glamorous or at least less high profile roles. Yeah, being on the campaign trail, making promises is a lot different, Erica, than sitting down to actually do the government work that's required to be a city council member. Yeah. And I think, you know, if you look at campaign promises, and particularly from some of these candidates, a lot of the promises or, you know, sort of declarations they were making were more along the lines of things that the executive does, like hiring police officers. The city council has control over the budget, you know, in that they are the ones that get to amend it and stuff. But they are not in charge of the police department. You know, they are not in charge of public health. That's a county responsibility. So, There's a lot of things that, you know, I think if they don't realize that they can't do, they're going to very quickly realize they can't do because, uh, you know, we have a we have a split system. It's it's legislative and executive. And the executive in Seattle has a lot of power that the council doesn't. Yep. And enter Bruce Harrell again. Right. Sitting mayor. We're going to get a bit of a political shift. What is this going to look like for the council with the mayor being so powerful, endorsing all these candidates? Well, I think it's going to be really interesting in the next year, you know, one way or another to see how this very mayor aligned council manages to sort of accomplish or not accomplish some of the mayor's goals. And I think for Mayor Harrell, there is a bit of a mandate now for his priorities. And so the question is, now that he does not have, you know, the supposedly left wing city council to blame and that his supporters, you know, can't blame for failure to make progress on some of these things, does he deliver? Or does he, you know, now have 
to shoulder the responsibility for the fact that it is very hard to hire police officers, which is a really common promise that these candidates are making. It's very hard to address the fentanyl and homelessness epidemics. These are challenging, challenging issues. And with, you know, a six member majority on the council, potentially seven uh, on some issues, it's going to be in the mayor's court to, to actually deliver on some of these things. I think it's going to be really challenging. What are these city council members owe Bruce Harrell after his endorsement? This is a mayor who is definitely never short on words, Erica. Will these <laughs> council members be reluctant to challenge him on issues they may not align with him on? Well, I, you know, it's hard to say because we're looking at such a, you know, a broad array of people. But I think that if they are going to distinguish themselves as council members, I think it's kind of their responsibility as members of the legislature to push back sometimes on the mayor's agenda. If you don't, uh, as a legislator, I mean, there there is a natural tension between the executive and the legislative branch. And so I, I think that there will come a point when all of these council members are going to have to say, you know, they don't agree with the mayor on something. And I think that will be a challenge for some of them because they do very much owe the mayor his endorsement and support during the campaign, some more so than others. Who are the new council members to watch? Who's going to keep things interesting this year? Well, I think Bob Kettle, who I mentioned, who's in District 7, um, who won over Andrew Lewis, the incumbent, which I think was surprising. Um, And, you know, he is a conservative Democrat. And I think that he will be an interesting contrast to some of the council members, maybe an ally to Sarah Nelson, who's one of the more conservative. And we're, we're saying that with little C, we're in Seattle, so conservative for Seattle council members. So I think he'll be an interesting person to watch. I think Sarah Nelson is also going to be a really interesting person to watch on the council because she is going to most likely be the council president, you know, and set the tone and cadence of how the council operates over the next year. And with just two years in office under her belt, you know, that's a lot of power for a pretty new council member. It's certainly going to be a really interesting city council to watch, Erica. But, you know, with all of this inexperience and everything we've been talking about in terms of the issues that they're going to have to take on. What does success look like for this city council? How can voters measure whether they're doing what they're setting out to do? Well, I think that the first sort of step for voters in in measuring that is to um, recalibrate expectations a little bit. I mean, When a city council candidate says that they're going to hire 1,400 total officers, 400, 500 net new officers, that is an absolutely unrealistic promise. And so in one sense, you could say, well, they can measure their success based on that promise and whether they achieved it, but they're not going to achieve it. So I think that if you are looking at campaign promises and at uh, results, you just kind of have to to look at, did they make progress toward the things that they said they were going to do? Are there more police without putting a value judgment on whether that's good or bad? You know, did they manage to incrementally improve that? Is homelessness being addressed in a meaningful way? You know, are we seeing like a net increase in the number of people that are actually housed? And, you know, the drug law is the drug law actually resulting in more people going into diversion. A number of candidates said that they uh, believe the city has a spending problem, not a budget problem. So have they addressed that spending problem in a way that meaningfully uh, moves the needle on that $200, $250 million deficit? Look at look at those campaign promises and calibrate your expectations a little bit. And at the end of the year, you know, look at whether they made progress toward them. Yeah, very important perspective, Erica Barnett. Not only is it different, right, than being on the campaign trail, but 
system of government is designed to protect us from making quick knee-jerk decisions as a city, and certainly that is in place here with the city council. Erica Barnett is the editor and publisher of Publicola. Really appreciate your insight and your reporting. Thanks so much. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Seattle Now. We can only make this show with your help. You can support us by donating at the link in the show notes. Today's episode was produced by Vaughn Jones. Our stellar production team also includes Caroline Chamberlain Gomez, Claire McGrain, and Jenny Cecil Moore. Matt Jorgensen does our theme music. Seattle Now and KUOW Public Radio are members of the NPR Network. It's an independent coalition of public media podcasters. You can find more shows in the network wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Patricia Murphy. See you tomorrow. 